Praise the name of the Lord. His presence is truly in this place, church. I hope you came expecting something tonight. These are the same words God spoke to Joshua after Moses' death. While the Israelites were on their way to the land God had promised them. Joshua 1, verse 1, God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, go arise, go over this Jordan River, and you and all the people to the land, which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. Of course, this land is known as the promised land, a piece of property God had promised to take the Israelites to after leaving the Egyptian bondage. This land belonged to their ancestor, and God was going to take them back to possess their land. He follows up with verse 6 and continues to give Joshua instructions. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. <laughs> Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God has given you of your own. Now I want to repeat verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. In other words, no one can stop you. Why? Because as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Hallelujah. In other words, my presence will be with you. I think in this day and time, there are so many who need to hear this reassurance, need to be reminded God is for you and that he's not against you, that God will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. And tonight I want to talk to you about the power of his presence, how important it is to receiving his promises, how important it is in these last days, more than ever, for you to be in his presence. I think so many are so misfocused, they've lost sight of it. And all the chaos and the uncertainty and the transitions, so many people trying to do things in their own strength and finding out they are powerless. First, we must realize, in order for us to be in his presence, he has to be present. He tells us he's our very present help in times of trouble. Now, I love the book of Joshua because it's not a book for wimps or the faint-hearted. It's not for the superficial, religious, or the ritualistic. This book reveals the power of God's presence. It's a book to inspire those who've been called by God to go forward and to possess your promises to go forward. This is a transformative book. It teaches us how to deal with struggle and the importance of never giving up just because things become difficult. Let me set the context so you can understand what was going on in time in our text. Everything in this text is changing but God. And many of you feel that same way today with the conditions we're living in. Everything around us is transitioning and transforming. In this passage of time, the children of Israel are in transition. They're not only leaving their nomadic history of being enslaved for 430 years in Egypt, they're now on the verge of a new beginning, a new season in their lives. They're about to experience only what they had heard was possible, about to experience only what they had dreamed of. I believe it's whereas we are as a church, we're fixing to walk into a new season. We're fixing to have those things we've only dreamed of. And while a new beginning is a good thing, it also be, can be a scary thing. 
to walking up from reality to something new that's new to you. We're walking in new seasons in our nation's history. It's unfamiliar. We're trying to figure out the future, trying to figure out how to live as Christians during these difficult, ever-changing times. We're trying to figure out how to be the church in these times. It can be difficult and challenging thing because now they must go from being nomadic to being owners to dwellers and possessors. Possessing a land that's rightfully theirs, but they don't remember it. They only heard of it from their ancestors. They are going home, but they've never been there before. They have no history that they can look back on at a point of reference to know that the future is going to be good there. So here they are at this point in my text and are facing a new future without their old leader, Moses, because Moses has died. He isn't just any old leader. Moses is a mighty man of power and authority. He's in a class all by himself. God said, other prophets have I spoken to through dreams and visions, but to Moses, my servant, I have spoken face to face. Moses, I showed things I would show nobody else. Moses has been the man they've trusted for 40 years. It was Moses' rod that was stretched out over the Red Sea, causing to part, allowing them to escape their enemy. It was Moses that had established the covenant of law with God. It was Moses giving the plans for the tabernacle. It was Moses that prayed and God sent down manna from heaven while they're in the desert. It was Moses that prayed and God turned the bitter waters sweet for the people. It was Moses that declared the power of God as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. It was Moses that gave them shade and covering in the desert. It was Moses that prayed until God sent quail from heaven to feed their hunger. And all these things, it was Moses. Say Moses. Yes, it was Moses. Everything they knew about God came through Moses. It was Moses who brought down the Ten Commandments from God. It was Moses that showed them the power of God so strong that the mountains shook and were set on fire and not consumed. It was Moses that, that rebuked the sin of Israel. It was Moses who cleaned the leprosy off his sister. If you had a problem, you had to talk to Moses. When God got ready to heal somebody, it was through Moses. When they got sick, it was Moses. It was Moses that lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. It was Moses, it was Moses, it was Moses. The only problem is one day Moses went up on the mountain and didn't come back down. And now the people are trying to figure out what do we do without Moses? What will I be without Moses? Everything was put on hold. The move was shut down. They never really knew what happened to Moses. They never found his body. God had the angels take his body away. God had to tell them through Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. And when they heard that he was dead, they started screaming. They ripped their clothes and yelled and cried for days. And the days turned into weeks. They turned into a month. They did nothing but lament the death of Moses. They felt they couldn't go on. Thought their promise was over. They were almost there, but now Moses is gone. The worst things in life can always happen when you're almost there. Right when you're on the verge of a breakthrough, so close to receiving your promises. The closer you get to your promises, often the more you lose. They've waited 40 years to get to the promised land. Every step they've taken has been by foot. A step at a time, a day at a time. They didn't have no bus service. They didn't have no wagon train, no steam engine. They had no automobiles to carry them. Every step on the land had their footprints on it. Day after day, walking in the blistering heat of the desert. They walked depending on God for their daily bread. When they woke up in the morning because they were with Moses, and Moses spent time with God. 
Manna fell from heaven precisely in front of each tent within their reach. Notice, the manna didn't fall in their mouths. It fell within their reach. And somebody needs to get that. Somebody's been sitting around like a little bird with your mouth open waiting for God to send it into your mouth. God never brings a blessing to your mouth. He sends it within your reach. You have to reach for it. That's for somebody. Now, Moses is dead. You have to understand it's traumatic to a people who have already been so traumatized because his leadership is gone. True leadership is a gift from God, whether it's over a corporation or a church, over a business, whether it's over a family. If you have a good father and a good mother, it's a gift from God. But yet you become so dependent on them, and when you lose them, it's, tri- it's life-changing. The transition can be so hard. Good leadership is such a blessing, and bad leadership is such a curse. And we're finding out this to be true in our current state of our nation more so every day. Bible says, when the wicked shall rule, the earth shall mourn. When wickedness is in charge, everything under it suffers. Can one body say amen to that? You cannot make a man or a woman a leader. You either are or you're not. You can teach them to be a better leader, but leadership itself is a gift. Because giving someone a desk and a nice office don't make them a leader. Giving them a title don't make them a leader. Giving them a degree doesn't make them a leader. Moses was a leader. When Moses put down his rod, something happened. When Moses lifted his hand, their enemies were defeated. But now Moses is dead. I hope I'm driving home the importance of this man to these people, how they depended on him after hearing of his death. They pondered, how can we go forward? How can we make it without him? They felt things would never be the same, and God let them cry their eyes out for about a month. And then he says to Joshua, now, say now. As to say to the people, that's enough crying and weeping, feeling sorry for yourself. Yes, Moses, my servant, is dead, But as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Rise up and go over the Jordan to the land I'm giving you. The promise hasn't changed. I want you to see that everything is changing, and when everything starts to changing, change brings anxiety, fear to the unknown. When things change, you must have faith because you don't have facts to stand on. You ain't never been where you're going. You ain't never went the way you're going. You never had to do things before like you're doing them now. With change, you have to walk by faith. Because you can't see and you don't know and you're not sure about things. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. I need faith so that I can move into the unseen. It's when everything around you is changing that faith has its greatest relevance to your life. It's most powerful when life is unstable and the future is uncertain during unprecedented times. When everything around you crumbles, that's when you discover God. When you run out of Moses's, you run into God. Come on. Some of you, you, all you got is God. Everything you ever leaned on is gone. And all you got is God. And if God doesn't do it, come on, somebody testify. He better show up. Now, I love this part when God speaks to them in their most vulnerable time. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. It was the only thing that wasn't changing when everything around them was changing. That's the way it is with God. I don't care how bad things get, how unstable things get, how much everything changes around us, he is still God who never changes. He brought you through that, and he will bring you through this. He provided for that, he'll provide for this. He protected you then, he'll protect you now. 
Go ahead and go crazy, world, but my God will never fail me, nor leave me, nor forsake me. I'm still going to see a victory. Come on, somebody. Because he's promised me, as I'm with Moses, so I shall be with you. He has promised if everything changes in my life tomorrow, he's still got me in the palm of his hand. Now, you don't need this word if you're not going to possess nothing. You don't need this word if you ain't going nowhere. You don't need this word if you're not pursuing your promises. You don't need this word if you're not chasing your dream. You don't need this word if you're comfortable with the same old, same old. If you made up your mind you're going you're gonna to die in your wilderness, if you're enjoying your pity parties and feeling sorry for yourself and that satisfies you, if you're just going to keep crying yourself to sleep, then you don't need this sermon. You can go home and you can murmur and complain till you die if you want to. This message is for people who are ready to go forward to their promised land. People who say, I'm scared, but I'm going. I'm broke, but I'm going. I'm uncertain, but I'm going. It's unstable, but I'm going. You got to find a way to rise and go ahead. And God is saying, now is the time. Now is the time. It's time for the church to rise and shine. To go possess the land, the promises that I made you. So you got to find the absolute in the middle of all the uncertainty. And that absolute is God. God is the only thing certain in times of uncertainty. In this text, as I was, so shall I be. God says, I am who I am. Regardless of what season you're in, regardless of what circumstances you're facing, no matter who walked away, no matter who went up on the mountain and didn't come back down, no matter who betrayed you, no matter who lied on you, no matter who divorced you, no matter who abandoned you, I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Moses may be gone, but I have never, nor will I ever forsake you. You don't need Moses. You need me like Moses needed me. I want you to see the spirit of this text and the power of it. There ain't nothing like a promise from God in the midst of your troubles. So Joshua is placed in charge with the responsibility Moses had, pretty big shoes to fill. And God tells Joshua to go amongst the people and tell them what to expect. And he tells him to tell the people over and over, be strong and be courageous. Get your stuff together because in three days we are leaving. And I still hear God telling his people today, be strong and courageous. In these days that lie ahead, we are in a mess we are in uncertain times. We're not sure about the future, but be strong and be courageous. Your life is turned upside down. Be strong. Be courageous. You may have got knocked down. You might have got the breath knocked out of you. Things may appear to be changing for the worse, but be strong and be courageous. It's not a suggestion. It's not just a good idea. It's a commandment from God. In fact, if you don't do this, you can't survive this. You got no choice but to die fainting or fighting. Sometimes when ha things happen, it is what it is. You didn't ask for it. You didn't order it. You don't even want it. But you got it, so you have to deal with it. So if you're going to deal with it, be strong and be courageous. Why? Because if God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I am going to die fighting for my promises. I'm going to die fighting for my dreams, for my family, for my ministry. I'm not going to roll over and just play dead. So get up and keep going forward. Your promises are on the other side of your troubles. Troubles are just roadblocks set up by your enemy to discourage you to quit, give up, back down, to lose heart. And you will see by reading the next passages under Joshua's leadership, he finished what Moses started. 
He led the 12 tribes to land God had promised them. I spoke of Moses and Joshua and their leadership for a reason. To get you to focus on what they did. To get you to focus on how God used them. To see the importance of the roles that they played in their lives. How the people looked to them. And the mistake they often made in doing so. The biggest mistake that people made over and over again, they looked more to these men than they did to God. They put more confidence in a man's presence than God's presence. When it was God's presence all along, they, that should have been dependent upon. They were so dependent on Moses that they thought they couldn't go any further when he died. Some no longer even wanted to try to. Never acknowledging the only reason they had gotten to where they were was because of God's presence more so than because of Moses or Joshua. It was because Moses depended on God's presence that he was even able to do the great things that he had done. God didn't grieve over Moses dying. He basically just turned his head, looked at Josh and said, as is with Moses, I so shall be with you. I choose you now. I can do through you what I did through Moses. You see, God can accomplish his purpose through anybody. I know some folks don't like to hear that because they think they're all that in a box of Cracker Jacks. But God don't need you to do anything. He can use anyone to fulfill his purpose. My point is I'm making is they miss seeing God's presence was more important than having his mouthpiece. Moses and Joshua were good leaders because they knew they could do nothing with the presence of God in their lives. They knew if you have his presence, you will get his promise. It's time to quit coveting the promise and covet his presence. Too many people want his gifts more than his presence. That's the reason we aren't seeing the gifts operating as before, because we don't have his presence. Too many want the presence more than the presence. And his presence only comes when his presence is here. We've got to come to the realization his presence is more valuable than his presence. The only reason they made it to the promised land is his presence. Never left them. Moses and Joshua did everything they did because his presence was with them. And as Pentecostals, we get so focused on the gifts and the charismatic preaching and singing, but nothing's going to happen if God's not present. It's just going to be brass twinkling in the wind. The only thing is certain, if God is present, promises are going to happen. The greatest promise you can ever get from God is he will never leave you nor forsake you. You see the camouflage of the text that makes you miss the most important lesson is the promised land. It's eye-catching. It's amazing. It's what they were striving for. The focus of the promised land, it's a wonderful promise to Israel. It's the focus of the text. But the most important thing to see that most miss by focusing on the promise so much, they miss out on God's presence. It's the importance of God's presence played in them receiving their promises. The real promise is not the land. The real promise was his presence. Just because Moses is gone, I'm still present. And as long as I am, you will make it. They were so busy trying to get to the property, they missed the importance of his presence to get it. The promise of God is not that you won't have to fight for it, not that you won't shed some tears to get there, not that there won't be struggle along the way. The real promise was I will be with you to see to it you get there. The promise of the power of his presence is bigger than the promise of the land. 
What good is the property if you don't have his presence to ensure you're going to get it? To assure you're going to survive till you get there. To assure that you're going to survive when you get there. The promise doesn't mean you won't have to fight, but the fight will go better in his presence with you, is with you. How many people are in a fight right now? How many people are in the fire right now? He sent me to, he's with you. If you need to be comforted, you're going to draw from his presence and not his presence. We should be seeking his presence, which is more powerful than his presence. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this other stuff shall be added unto you. The most important promise I want you to see in this text is not the land. I want you to see how important his presence was. Him telling Joshua that as he was with Moses, so shall be I'm with you. It inspired and it encouraged him to lead. Joshua, like Moses, too, believed he couldn't do it on his own. And everything you do, the one promise God gives you, and you can be certain of God, is, and what he says is, I'll be with you if you pass through the waters, if you pass through the fire. If I make my bed in hell, he'll be there with you. The only thing that was certain in the text was that they had the presence of God with them. When Moses died, God was still with them to see to it that they received their promise. I'm not going to forsake you like everyone else does when you fall. I won't run out on you like he did. I won't quit you just because things are going to get hard. I will be with you. That's the best part of the text. Church is the greatest promise we can have considering what we're going to face in our nation. If you don't take that as your promise, you'll end up leaning on something that can be taken from you, leaving you helpless and all alone. I've been through a lot of things. One thing for sure, I've never had to face them alone. God was with me, desiring to show himself strong on my behalf. He was in the fires with me. Other folks said, I'll pray for you. Some called and said, I hate to hear that. Others texted and said, let me know if I can do anything. And I was thankful for all those kind words and all those offers. But God, God was there with me through it all. Every step, every day, until he made a way when there seemed to be no way. I wish I had somebody in here who would testify, I'm talking about you too. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise in this place. He told Joshua Meditate on my word day and night. God said, I want to see you get in my word. I want to see you seeking me outside of just wanting your promised land. I don't want you to wait till you get there to be grateful. I want to know, can you be grateful for me before you get there? I want to know, can you be grateful for me when you're sick, when you're broke, when you're lonely? Can you still declare to me that I'm still your God? And the text tells us about the priority of having a daily devotion with God. Do you know most people don't have a devotion outside of the church? Never open a Bible and read all week? And we wonder why we fall apart and lose focus on him during the week. If the only time you acknowledge his presence is when you're here, your priorities are all mixed up. The fact that he's omnipresent, meaning he's always with you, and you never engage with his presence shows you don't realize the importance of his presence. I'm talking about having a relationship with God, not with people, not with the church, where every day you walk with God and you speak with God. You need a devotional to keep you engaged and focused on his presence. 
and the fact that we're nothing without him, and we have nothing without him. Hey, don't say I ain't got nothing. Look at all my stuff. Yeah, that stuff you love today, and we'll sell tomorrow for pennies on the dollar because it has no substance to keep you satisfied very long. You need to put more time in his presence. It's more valuable than any of the stuff that you got. Then if you lose it, you won't lose your mind because the contentment you will have because of his presence in your life will always be more valuable to you. The priority of a devotional destabilizes you in a destabilized environment. It's the breakfast of champions. God wants you to have a personal relationship with him in his presence all alone, just you and him, even if it means walking through your house, worshiping him, singing off key, making up words you have to, but it's music to his ears. You're acknowledging, God, I know you're near. I know you're here. I sense your presence. Thank you for being here. I don't need a praise brand. I don't need a crowd. I worship you all by myself, even when nobody's looking. Hallelujah. Because when you do that stuff, you're declaring, I know the value of his presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. You don't have to come to church just to worship. You can do that at home, all alone, all by yourself, anytime you want to. Matter of fact, you can do it anywhere because his presence is everywhere. If you do it at home, you'll actually find it easier to do it in here. Hallelujah. Come on. I just believe for where God is wanting to take us, this message is so necessary to bring us into a focus. We want revival. We need revival. And God has promised in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. That's his promise. We quote it. We preach it. But I believe he'll fo- if we will focus more in entering to his presence, he will pour out his spirit. We can't just want the promises without his presence. His presence brings the promises. Instead of just wanting God's promise, God wants us to want him. Church, we are headed into an unstable environment where so many things are so uncertain out of our elements, and the only stability we're going to have is going to come from having his presence in our lives. We got to want the blesser more than the blessing. We got to want the deliverer more than the deliverance. We got to want the healer more than the healing. You got to value his presence because whatever you value, you give your time to it. Am I right? Think about it. What do you give your time to? May I ask, is God on that list more than just Sunday? Are you coming on Sundays to give God something, or are you always coming to get something? You know why worship and the Word go hand in hand? Why we worship first and then we bring forth the Word? Because when you worship, you're giving God something. And when you hear the Word, God's giving you something. But did you notice Moses died, but God's purpose didn't? When he said to Joshua, so as with Moses, so shall be with you. He's saying, I'm going to do the same thing to you I've done to Moses because it wasn't about him. It was about me and the purpose I have for my people. When God has a purpose, he'll use whatever and whoever he chooses to accomplish it. God used a fisherman. He used a carpenter. He used a hooker. He used a donkey. He used a fish. He even used an adulteress. Ruth was a Moabite. She didn't even know who God was. He used a narcissist named Nebuchadnezzar. But when God gets ready to accomplish his purpose, he will use anybody from anywhere he chooses. The purpose of the promise was that they would learn the value of his presence. They would learn had it not been for the Lord, not had it not been for Moses, had it not been for Joshua. These men were a part of the purpose. Therefore, they were in his presence. 
They knew the value of his presence, that without them, they were nothing. They could do nothing. They knew what he, what he had asked them to do, they couldn't do on their own. Look how much time Moses spent in his presence, and look how much time Joshua's depended on his presence. Look at the mistake of the people made. They depended more on the man than God's presence. And the result was, when things got hard, when they lost Moses, they fell apart. But God didn't leave them nor forsake them. He just elected Joshua to continue on with the purpose. So they too, by the time they get their promise, they'll learn the value of his presence also. And they too would declare, had it not been the hand of the Lord, we never would have made it. Sure, Joshua led them, but it was God leading Joshua. He was in God's purpose. Therefore, he's blessed and highly favored. How many know God's got a purpose plan for these last days? And if we'll get in his presence, you'll find his purpose for you in it. It's time for the church to get into God's purpose. And we'll never know what that is until we get into his presence. Churches that don't seek his presence are sitting around like the Israelites were in the desert, ready to give up on their promises. Until we learn the value of his presence and spend time in his presence. But now with the conditions we're sitting in as a nation, we ought to be on our knees like David praying. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Begging God to please don't take your presence from us. His presence is in reach. If we'll reach for it. If we'll draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to us. These men, Moses and Joshua, they were great leaders. We need leaders. Leaders that are anointed and appointed by God. Everybody wants to be like these great leaders. But all these leaders are great leaders because of their relationship with God. The problem with the people they're leading, they don't want to go past the relationship they have with their leaders. They really just depend on the leader's relationship they have with God. That's how it was in Moses' day and how it is still for so many today. Everybody wants to be a Moses or Joshua or Paul or Jensen Franklin. While Jesus saying, does anyone want to be like me? These men were great leaders but they were not perfect. we got to get our focus off of man and onto Jesus. These men are anointed and appointed to lead you to Jesus, but you got to be willing to go past their anointing into his presence. Then the greatest experience that they had with God, you can have too. It's time to get past just hearing about God, and it's time to start experiencing God. we got to get focused on the value of his presence, and doing so will fulfill his purpose and receive our promises. We can have everything God has promised us, if we'll learn the value of his presence. We want revival, then we must seek God. He'll give us revival. But because the promise is, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Israel had a great promise to get to leave Egyptian bondage and to go possess the land promised to their ancestors. They called it the promised land but God, because God had promised it to them. But the greatest promise they had was, God, was God's presence would never leave or forsake them. And a lot of you have promises God has made you. Be assured if God said it, it'll come to pass. But the greatest promise you have is in his presence. He's never leaving you. He's never forsaking you. No matter what you go through on your way to your promise, while you're waiting for your promise, while you're fighting for your promise, his presence will bring his promises. Joshua told the people what God told him to tell them. If you want your promise, stay in my presence. Learn the power of it, meditate on my word, and obey my commands. 
Then, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. There's a lot of good people doing a lot of great things for God. But always remember, they're simply his servants. And the reason that they're so effective is they spend time in the presence of God. That they know the value of his presence. You want to do something for God and be effective, get in his presence and you'll find your purpose. Church, I believe we're going into a new season. If our musicians would come. God is moving in our nation and God is moving around the world. If we want to be a part of what God has promised to do in these last days, we've got to get in the presence of God like never before. We must seek him. There's reports coming in from all across the nation, even around the world. I want to, I want to share a couple of those with you. Our general overseer is Tim Hill. He put out a post, and Tim wrote of some, some of these things. If anyone knows what's going around this nation, he knows. Tim writes, there's an unusual revival and outpouring of the Holy Spirit taking place right now in various locations around the nation. Oh, Lord, let it be here. He writes, here are some examples. One that was mentioned this morning. He says, I was invited into a call concerning the outpouring that's taking place over the last few days at Asbury Chapel service in Kentucky. There the students are worshiping for hours in the presence of the Lord, 24-7. The place is, they're coming from all over to the chapel. He said, last week I was informed that Lee University finished its convocation and that it was marked by the presence of the Lord that brought the students to an undeniable encounter with God. And he wrote, for almost an entire month, the New Life Church at Miramar Beach, Florida has experienced what they describe as the open door outpouring. The pastor just reported that blinded eyes have opened, creative miracles have taken place. There is an aroma of God's presence to date. To date, there have been 83 salvations, 65 rededicated, 83 Holy Ghost baptisms, 21 verifiable healings of the sick, 41 water baptisms, and numerous people have been set free from demonic power. And then he wrote, Encounter Church in Faith, Texas, near Dallas, now in their ninth month of revival. The pastor reported that it came through prayer and is marked by the healing presence of the Holy Spirit. Over 100 verifiable healings have taken place. It was a new church plant six years ago. Now the church is at capacity with hungry seekers coming into the presence of the Lord. And then he wrote, most recently in a pastor's conference in Orlando, just as conference organizers were working their way through the schedule. And when I was about to introduce a session on the church planning, I heard the Holy Ghost say, I want this now. He said, so I postponed the session and soon pastors and their wives from all across North America were praying and weeping with prophetic utterances and intercessory prayer for one another went on for hours. These are just a few examples, but I want you to note the most common word spoken in all these testimonies is the word presence. They were in God's presence. It didn't talk about the preachers. It, they were great leaders, I'm sure. But I want to tell you what they talked about, the presence of God. They got past man and they got to God. And so many times that's what's happening in the church. 
We've got to get past just the leadership. We need the leadership. It's godly. It's appointed. It's anointed. But we've got to get even past that. A great leader leads you to the one past them. Hallelujah. And can I tell you, for the past few weeks, we are so close to having an outpouring in this church right here. Would you stand with me? And I have come to tell you, it's time for us to have our breakthrough. And it'll only happen when we begin to enter into his presence. When we truly learn the value of his presence, I'm ready for our name to be on that list. God's omnipresence. So if his presence is there, then his presence is here. We have got to get hungry enough to pursue him. We aren't waiting on God anymore. God's waiting on us. For our people are hungry and thirsty for his presence, not his presence. We'll never see revival sitting back in our pews waiting for it to happen. We'll find it when we run to him and when we seek and we pray for it in his presence. I think God is tired of having to drag people into his presence. I think he's ready to see people who are so hungry that they run into his presence. Who believe that the more I seek you, the more I find you. That believe in the presence of Jehovah God Almighty. Troubles vanish. Hearts are mended in the presence of the king. Tonight, as they begin to pray, play, I'm going to ask you, how long has it been since you took the time to bask in his presence? How to come and get lost in his presence? His presence assures you of his promises. It strengthens you to fight for it. It encourages you to have courage. It inspires you to keep going forward. It heals your hurts and it heals your wounds. We want revived. It's going to be in his presence. We want revival. It's going to begin by being in his presence. He says, it's then no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life because I will be with you as I was with Moses. So I ask you tonight, how many of you God chasers will make your way to this altar and spend some time in the presence of the Lord before you leave here tonight and tell him just how much you love him and let God begin to do in our midst what only God can do in the presence of the Lord. Would you come and find you a place tonight? Come and stand. Come worship. Come pray. Come seek. Come find. In the presence of the Lord. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. Come on. Lift your voices up. Come on. We're in the, we're in the presence of the Lord. Come on. God, have your way in this place, God. Begin to move in the lives of these people that are coming tonight, God. We're hungry. We're thirsty, God. It's our desire, God, to be in your presence. God, do hear what you're doing there. Pour out your spirit, God, on this place. We're hungry. We need you. Go ahead, guys, and begin to play. Come on, church, lift up your hands, lift up your voices, lift up your hearts. You have proven, do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. This is your time with God, your time with God.
Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, he'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, he's Give God praise.
We've got to leave here tonight knowing that our greatest promise is that he's told us and promised us. As he was with Moses, he'll be with us. That his presence is always here. And that in his presence, no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. There's healing. There's power. There's deliverance. There's freedom. We just have to get our focus on strictly Jesus. It's Jesus. Say that with me. Jesus. That's right. It's Jesus. I don't know. All I know is it's time. I don't want what, what moment. I don't know what day. I love this concept they put up here. So fitting for the times. Because it is time. It's time, church. God's ready. And as we get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Give God praise. God bless you.